That, that can easily happen within families, within marriages, when it no longer becomes about respecting the image of God in the people in that family, but it becomes a, a, a competition of, of power and who's going to win out here. The results are devastating. But just as I believe that, that a misunderstanding of that is the cause, I also believe that a correct understanding an application of the Imago Dei truth is the cure for bullying, abuse, slavery, class warfare, racial strife, domestic violence, gender inequality, violent behavior, murder, war, abortion, euthanasia, political fights, etc. I believe it's the cure. And I believe if we, if we embrace what it teaches and if our world were to embrace what it teaches, so many of these problems would either, would either go away, would either be no more, or they would significantly be reduced. Now, what do I mean when I say this? Well, it, well, if we are imaging God, if we are imaging God, when, I, when we look up on the screen, we see an image. And we're trying to get a few other images up there as well at the moment. But we see the image coming through there. And people can look and see. And if we are, if we are like those screens and people, we are imaging God and people can look. If we are living and behaving according to the character of the one who created us, doing right because of that, that innate moral and ethical compass that's hardwired into our DNA. And for, for those who are followers of Jesus, it also involves following in His footsteps and living according to His teaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we do this, it will be clearly evident in the way that we treat others and in the way that we talk to or even talk about fellow image bearers. Here's a, a statement that I want us to reflect on a little bit this morning. I'm going to read it out to you a couple of times. It says this, I can love you and serve you right now because I recognize a picture of God in you. Let me say that again. I can love you and serve you right now because I recognize a picture of God in you. And for you, whether, whether you really want to or not, you can, you can love me and serve me right now because you recognize a picture of God in me. And as we look around at people that are here this morning, any of these people, we can love each other and serve each other right now because we recognize the picture of God in each one of us. And that's true no matter where you go. How we choose to see others affects our attitude towards them and ultimately affects how we treat them. Would you agree with that? How we choose to see others affects all of those things. Now over my years in pastoral ministry, um, I've experienced many times, some of them you've heard about over the, over the years, some of them you haven't, but I've experienced many times of, of people being unkind or disrespectful or even intentionally hurtful to me because they didn't like... Um, how I was counseling them or the truth that I stood for. There's all sorts of stories along the way. Thankfully, there was only one significant fist fight. I'm pleased that uh, there wasn't more of them. In those moments of being mistreated, let me just tell you, I had to wrestle internally with what my response was going to be. Would I, would I lash out and would I give back and would I seek ways to get revenge? Because for some reason, that makes us feel sort of good, doesn't it? When you think about it, how many movies do you know where the plot line is getting revenge? Think about that. 
How many movies do you know where somebody does something to somebody and the whole plot line is, is seeing them get back at them and hit them harder? And when we watch those movies, there's a part of us that's like, yay! And I want to suggest to you that, that that is part of the sin nature that celebrates when somebody else who is an image bearer is facing all sorts of grief and suffering. I have to choose whether I'm going to lash out or whether I'm going to choose to recognize that these people that I'm referring to that, that have given some hurts along the way and have hurt me in different ways, that they bore the image of God just the same as I do. And instead, instead of lashing out, would I choose to, to, to perhaps grieve a little bit on the inside but then respond with undeserved kindness and unmerited favor, which is also known as what? Grace. It's what grace is. Or perhaps just with silence. There's times where silence is necessary. When we lose sight of the image of God in others, when we're mistreated, we can, we can easily start pursuing power and start abusing power and trying to win while secretly also or maybe even outwardly being happy when people that we don't like suffer in some way. Real question for you. Have you ever rejoiced at the misfortune of somebody that you didn't like? Have you ever had that little celebration inside when somebody that you disagree with or somebody that and, and something bad happens to them and you have that little like, yay. I want to suggest to you that that's not what God has wired into us and that is part of the sin nature coming out and responding in a way that can be very destructive. It's an abuse of power. And that's an indication that we have lost sight of the truth of the Imago Dei. And that we are drifting away from where God wants us to be. When I was a teenager, I was discipled and, and mentored by a, a little old uh, pastor. Um, I've shared his picture in previous years here at Grace Family Church. But his name was Pastor Jim and he came up to hear on me. Okay, when we would, when we would have a, a little hug, it was kind of awkward. I would have to go down, even as a teenager. And Pastor Jim was a, was a fiery old school gospel preacher. And, and every time we met and, and had this conversation and he was mentoring me and instructing and, and helping build me up and prepare me to enter into ministry training and other things, every time we met, he would hand me an old book from his massive shelf behind him. He'd say, hey, I want you to read this one. And then I'd go away and read some author from, from 100 years ago or other things there and and, and one of those books, one of those old, old authors from one of those old books, I, I, I distinctly remember him speaking of a dream that he had one day. He wrote of this dream where, where he, was, he was preaching in a message in the church that he pastored. And as he was preaching this message, as he was sharing, he saw Jesus coming in down the center aisle. And Jesus sort of walked down, most of the way down, and then, and then sort of slipped into a seat and sat there. And, and the pastor suddenly became aware that, that Jesus was there. And the author shared how all of a sudden he began to speak a whole lot more professionally. And he began to proclaim the truth as he was speaking more boldly and doing a whole lot more intentionally and really upping his game. Because why? Because Jesus was there. And with Jesus, what Jesus thought suddenly made things matter even more and suddenly motivated him to do things even better. 
And in this dream, the, the preacher did all that he could to, to impress and to speak and to serve to the best of his ability because Jesus was there. Now, his dream continued on. And the author went on to describe the next part of his dream and what he felt when he awoke. What he felt was utter devastation as he realized that, that, what, that he had sort of bought into the lie that, well, if Jesus is here, it matters what I do. But if Jesus is not here, it matters less. And he went on to share that, that, that his devastation of the fact that he would speak and act differently because of because of who was there than how he would ordinarily, really challenged him and rocked his world. And the impact of this dream had on his life was that from that point on, every message that he preached, he did so as if Jesus was right in the room, sitting there. And it motivated him to do things differently because that matters. Let me share this thought with you. Treating people as if they are of lesser value than other people is abhorrent to God. It's abhorrent when people's value is diminished because of their skin color or ethnic heritage or economic status or their career choice or whether they are still in the womb or whether they're battling dementia in a nursing home. There was uh, When I came over to the States here, there were a lot of things I had to adjust to. There were a lot of things that I had to kind of uh, acclimate to. I'll tell you one of the ones that you may not expect. One of the ones that I had to adjust to was hearing people, people who did not go to college, apologize for not going to college. There was a, there was a feeling like, well, I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do this, and so somehow I'm lesser than. And, and even worse than that, I got to see people in our culture treat people differently because, oh, you're just a menial laborer. I didn't grow up with that. I grew up with the opposite, actually. I grew up with being buddies with the guy that collects your trash because he's a good bloke and a little bit more suspicion on the professionals. But that's a cultural thing. That's a cultural thing. Listen to this. Issues like abortion and euthanasia and racism and poverty are solved not by looking at man-made standards and values, but by looking at the fact that all people are created in the image of God. And as such, all people are worthy of being treated with dignity and respect. Now, Pastor Tim Keller, along with Jackie and, and along with Pastor Afshin, shared a few related thoughts about these kinds of things on a video segment in recent years. We're going to show that in a moment here. And whether it relates to attitudes we have about vocational roles or those who are disadvantaged or oppressed or overlooked or, or even the issue, the controversial issue of, of immigrants and foreigners, I want us to take now just a, a few minutes, three or four minutes, to, to hear what they have to say in light of the truth of the Imago Day. Uh, the doctrine of the... Uh the image of God that everyone's made in the image of God is has a radical uh, has a radical effect on our social relationships. There is no doubt, even in America, even though there's plenty of other countries in which um, uh, the society is more stratified, and there is a much bigger class distinction between people of honor and people of lower status, and so on. Americans always been seen as something of a classless society. Uh, which isn't totally true. Nevertheless, there is no doubt we, we actually, for example, value professionals. Uh, people have a lot of expertise. They're making money. Uh, 
uh, in a way we don't value blue collar people or people that are easily replaceable or people who just do the housework or that sort of thing. That is absolutely wrong. Theologically, uh, there is no better place to learn about this than in book three of Calvin's Institutes. But you can also find it in his little golden book of the Christian life where he says, uh, if you look at another human being and you say, this person doesn't deserve my good regard. This person is low and mean, does not deserve respect. And then he says, what does the Lord deserve? And he says, because you're looking at the Lord. He actually says, you're looking at the image of God. And therefore, he says, in terms of the image of God, he deserves all that respect, no matter what in himself, what his record is or what he's done. or it, that, that doesn't matter. He says, you regard him on the basis of the image of God. That's an amazing statement because every single human being reflects the, the being of God in some way. I think I think about James 3 when it talks about language and how we speak to people. And it talks about how with our tongue, we blessed our father and then we curse people. But it doesn't just say curse people. It says we curse people made in the likeness of God, where he roots how disrespectful and how dishonoring it is that we use our language in such a way in people being image bearers of the living God. And so when I think about even just that, like you have beef with my language as it relates to image bearers, then all image bearers then deserve respect and honor and dignity, regardless of how I feel, regardless of how I think they should be spoken to or treated. They have honor and dignity because of the Lord thy God. And so I think whether it's someone that's on the street that doesn't have a home, whether it's a black person who, who is dealing with all types of oppression because they are a minority, whether it's a single uh, mother in the church that no one notices and never asks if they need any help. I think they are all made in the image of God. And so yeah, it, they matter. All throughout scripture, if we if we have power, if we're in the position of power, we should be looking to leverage it to serve the least of these. And so for me, I think, you know, the refugee crisis, uh, the last two or three years is one example. Uh, in America, we are a place of, of, of haven, that people are fleeing um, really bad things. And, and sometimes think of the Syrian refugee crisis, ISIS. And, and we're to be a people who who want to welcome them. Now, I do want, for instance, our government to protect us from any evildoers coming into our land. But having said that, a Christian perspective, if a refugee were to come into my neighborhood, should be not first and foremost safety, but obligation that scripture is clear that I am to care for the sojourner in my midst, especially the orphan and the widow amongst them. But then also opportunity that this is an opportunity for people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus. Tim Keller said, no, no matter what his record is or what he's done, that doesn't matter. You regard them on the basis of the image of God. That's an amazing statement, he says, because every single human being reflects the being of God in some way. And Jackie Hill Perry said this, all image bearers deserve respect and honor and dignity regardless of how I feel, regardless of how I think they should be spoken to or treated. And, and Pastor Afshin said, a Christian perspective, if a refugee were to come into my neighborhood, should not be first and foremost safety, which it often is, 
but obligation that Scripture is clear that I'm to care for the sojourner in my midst, especially the orphan and the widow amongst them. But then also opportunity, that this is an opportunity for people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, any time that we interact with anyone, we are interacting with someone who bears the image of God and in whom the image of God is present. And I think we lose sight of that so often. Each person has intrinsic worth and value because of the fact of the Imago Dei. And I believe that when we understand this and when we allow that truth to impact our lives and to impact our attitudes and to direct our actions, the end result is that we are going to treat people the way that God wants us to treat them. I'd like to have us look at another passage with me this morning. James chapter 2. In verse 1 we read this. My dear brothers and sisters, how, how can you claim to have faith Actually, I'm going to stop here and I'm going to ask you to read along with me. Those that are here present and if you're at home, feel free to read this out loud from the screen. Let's read it together. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry And another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Yes, indeed. Verse 8. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. Wow. Wow. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? The passage there, the verse 1, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others. And ending with verse 9, if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. Now over the years, I've uh, come to learn something true about everyone that I interact with. And it's helped me in trying to embrace these ideas of Imago Day. It's helped me to, to embrace my restraint of reaction. Some of you know the story of a fist fight I got into on my front step. And we're trying to protect a, a, a kid that was being mis, mistreated. And in that moment, some of you are wondering, why didn't you punch him back? And I wondered that sometimes too. I did pin him down, but I didn't punch him back. In that moment there, here are some of these things. I'm going to share with you a moment. Some things that for me have been helpful in, in, in trying to embrace this mindset of the Imago Day. Whether I like these people or not. I've learned this to be true. Whether I agree with their life choices or not, whether I share political or moral or ethical viewpoints with them or not, whether they have have mistreated me or treated me well, whether they scare me or whether they simply make me nervous in some way, whether I would refer to them as an enemy or as a friend, I believe the following truths apply to everybody everywhere and they can be helpful as we interact with them. I want to lead you through them. The first one is this. 
They too are created in the image of God. Okay, They too are created in the image of God. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through the checkout at the store, I'm not always thinking about the person who's serving me is created in the image of God. Especially if they're slow and they're not doing things properly. Okay? It can be very easy for us to lose sight of that reality that they too are created in the image of God and have that inherent value as a result of that. Um, if this was not COVID season, I would, I would recommend doing something. Have you ever gone to a big place where people are, uh, are around in a, in a shopping mall or an amusement park? Have you ever sat down on a bench and just watched people? Have you ever people watched? I've done that before. Sometimes we have to be careful because that judgmental attitude can come out, can't it? What is wrong with them? Man, what's, go- what's going on there? We have to be careful. But I, wanna, I would suggest if we had that opportunity that you find a place and you sit down and you observe people and each person that goes by you say, they are created in the image of God. That person there is created in the image of God and has inherent value and dignity and worth as a result of that. That person there is created in the image of God. Number two, they have a story and may be victims of that story. This is huge for me. They have a story and may be victims of that story. What I've come to realize is a lot of the people that uh, are, are living ways or doing things or treating me in ways that's like, hang on a second here, they have a story. And some of them didn't want their story. They didn't ask for their story. Do you know what's common amongst those who are, are, are physically or emotionally or, or in some, abusive in some ways? Do you know what's often the case in their lives? What's often true? They were abused. It's a fact. I'm going to be a bit risky here and say that, that some people, some people, and I would argue that a lot of people that I have known who have had some sort of gender identity crisis, the people that I have known are coming from homes where divorce has taken place or where all sorts of carnage and difficulty has been thrust upon them. And in the midst of their struggling with what to do, they end up going wherever they feel and being guided by whoever will listen. We had a young, uh, young person in our church family who grew up in our youth group here. And I got to see this young guy and I got to see him grow up into an adult and I got to see him face the challenges of some life events that he experienced and to face the challenges of seeing his family sort of implode and all sorts of things happen. And then added on to that to see the heartbreak of, of, a, of a bitter, horrible breakup with his girlfriend. And ultimately, he ended up saying, you know what? I'm going to pursue a different life. I'm going to pursue a life that I know is not what I was taught. I know is not what the Bible teaches. And I remember the time there where suddenly I got shut out of his life because he didn't want to hear from me what Scripture said or what was best. It didn't happen because he didn't agree. It happened because of the experiences that he had. When people treat me in different ways, when people do different things, when people live in certain ways, I've learned to see them through the eyes of, of, you're a victim. So many people that are going through stuff in life, they're victims. They're victims of stuff that took place and they didn't ask for that and they didn't choose for that. 
And sometimes in our judgmental sinfulness, we end up judging people and saying, well, you're choosing to do that, and you're choosing to do that. And sometimes we don't understand the guts of their story. And we fail to see them as created in the image of God, and we fail to love them as Jesus loved them. Number three, they need the hope that is found only in knowing Jesus. They need the hope that is found only in knowing Jesus. My concern is that it can be, it can be easy for our prejudice to override our passion to see people come to know Jesus. It can be easy for us to shut the door on opportunities that might be a little uncomfortable in order because we're scared or we're whatever else. It can be easy for us to shut things down before the opportunity is even there. I have a couple of questions for you quickly here. How do you usually treat people? Honestly, how do you, how do you usually treat people? How do you really view them and think of them? When somebody cuts you off in traffic and then flips you the bird, Okay, how do you view them? What is your what is your response? Do you curse and swear and get angry, or or do you do you take a moment? This sounds overly spiritual, but I'm not trying. Do you take a moment to pray for them or to say, Lord, that person really needs you? Because guess what? They too are created in the image of God. They have a story and may be victims of that story. And they need the hope that is found only in knowing Jesus. Another question for you here. How do you treat someone who has a completely different ethnic background or perhaps a different skin color than you? How do you treat them? Do you respond with suspicion or uncertainty? Do you find yourself primarily concerned with your, your own safety or do you, do you think about the truth that they too are created in the image of God and that they have a story and may be victims of that story and that they need the hope that is found only in knowing Jesus? There's not a single day that goes by where these realities are not present and are of vital importance. Honestly, even if you spend the day alone by yourself or you live on a desert island all alone, how, your understanding of the Imago Day by how you look after yourself and what you think about yourself is going to be a, an important thing. It's going to impact you. Now how you and I respond to the, the headlines on the news about, about abortion or murder or capital punishment or immigration or refugees or racism or politics or gender issues or any number of issues, it's going to be directly impacted with what you choose to do or what you choose to not do with the truth of the Imago Day. And occasionally I see some of your responses to some of these things and sometimes they bring me joy and sometimes... They make me a little sad. The reality, the fact that you and I and every other human being is a fearfully and wonderfully made creation of God that bears the image of God. Because of that, they have worth, they have dignity, they have value. And they are also people for whom Jesus Christ died. What's that verse again? For God so loved the whole world. That He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have ever.
everlasting life. Who did Jesus die for? He died for the people that you don't like. He, he died for the politicians that you disagree with. He died for the people in cultures that hate America. He died for them. And he wants to use his followers, his disciples, to go out into all the world, to, to, to be use the power and influence that they have to see people come into a relationship with him. Here's another verse for you. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge you, first of all, to pray for, for pray for who? Do you do that? Pray for all people. Ask God to help all people. Intercede on all people's behalf and, and give thanks for who? For all people. Hmm. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is, this is good. And this pleases God our Savior who, what does He want? He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And if you're joining in today or listening later to what we've been talking about and you've not yet put your trust in Jesus, know that whether you like it or not, you carry with you the very in, in your very being the image of God. And perhaps that reality has brought you to connect in some way today with us. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, by paying for all of our sin and all of my sin and all of your sin, God invites you into a relationship with Him. And I encourage you to begin that relationship today. Call out to Him. Surrender your life to Him. And if you need help taking that step, reach out to someone trustworthy who you know has a relationship with Jesus. Or if you're not sure who that might be, the, the staff and people here at Grace Family Church would love to come alongside and help with that. And if you're uncomfortable about that, go to our, our website, mygracefamily.church and, and click on the gospel and read through what is there and interact with that. But let me just say, for those who are here who are already followers of Jesus, remember that power is amoral. It is neither good nor bad. Power can be used for good purposes or for bad purposes. And listen to this. You and I are to use whatever power we have, whatever status or influence or gifts or abilities or resources or opportunities, we are called upon by God to use all that we have to be Jesus to those who need to know Jesus. Would you agree with that? Really, do you agree with that? Do we do that? Hmm. A little practical suggestion as we close here. Whoever you meet this week, I want you to remember these things again up on the screen. I want you to remember, whoever you meet, they too are created in the image of God. I want you to remember that they have a story and may be victims of that story and you might not have any clue what that story is. And that they need the hope that is found only in knowing Jesus. And when we have that mindset, you and I can choose to respond with the attitude that says what we looked at earlier, I can love you and serve you right now because I recognize a picture of God in you. Even when people are being mean, I, I can love you and serve you right now because I recognize the picture of God in you. Let me close uh, this time in a word of prayer and then we're going to join together and um, sing a song and then head on our way. But uh, I know there's some, some tough stuff. I know I've probably treaded on a few toes. 
this morning with some of you are, well, you, you're accusing me of certain things. Well, I just want us to be real with what Scripture teaches and what God wants us to do and how God wants us to live. If you have a problem with some of these things, take it up with God. Check what I'm saying. Make sure it's accurate, but take it up with Him. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look around our world today, we see we see the carnage that happens when people treat other people as not image bearers. We see the difficulty that happens in, ha- in families and homes and in, in the political world when people do not treat others as fellow image bearers. Lord, I pray that as we think through these different topics, as we wrestle with issues of of what do we do about the very real challenges that come when it comes to attitudes and even even hidden hidden attitudes of, of racism and of, of prejudice against people who are different to us, whether that be because of the color of skin or the lifestyle they embrace. I pray, God, that you would that you would work in our hearts to break through that, to help us to see people as image bearers, to help us to recognize that they have a story and they they may be victims of that story. Maybe we can ask a little bit about their story to get to know them a little bit more and help us to always focus on the fact that people around us need the hope that is only found in knowing Jesus. Thank you for our time today to look at these things. Holy Spirit, work in our lives. May they be glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray.